Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Leslie. How are you today? On this slightly rainy morning, I'm good. It's a little dreary outside. A little drizzly. It's a little drizzly, but what sunshine can we bring to our listeners today? Lots of it. That was cheesy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the sunshine people. That, that was, oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Sunshine. We've had some fantastic weather, so I think we've imbibed a little of that. We can now reflect it back. I like it. Yeah. Let's do it. We get our we got our vitamin D. Yeah. Well, I've got a story. I love a story. Stories are great. And uh, so I've been thinking about a story that appears in the New Testament, and it's called The Woman with the Alabaster Jar. I mean, is this not a great title for a novel? It's already, I mean, the woman with the pearl earring. Well, I mean, we're always, we're carrying stuff. It, it fits right in. I like it. Right? And it's so evocative, this idea of the alabaster jar. Yeah. It's not just like a clay jar. No, that's right. Or no. a jar. A jar. Right? No, she has an alabaster Somebody jar. goes out of their way to say alabaster. I love it. Me too. Love it. So this story is, I've always thought this story was so poignant because here's Jesus who's actually approaching the end of his life. Right. And uh, true to form, he's, he spends some time with some friends in a, uh, in a house where I guess they're going to have kind of an evening meal together. And uh, it's interesting because the house is owned by a man who has a rather interesting name of Simon the Leper. So that's also an that's evocative uh, name, right? Yeah. So where did that come from? And what kind of interaction did he have with Jesus? Right. right? Was he healed at some point? We, we, anyway, fascinating connection. Yeah. And so the disciples are there, Jesus is there, and then this woman is suddenly there. Mm -hmm. And I love it because it's kind of unexpected. Mm -hmm. I don't believe she was on the invitation list. Yeah. So she's already crashing a party. She's crashing a party. And lo and behold, she's there. And then uh, she does something rather remarkable. She takes this alabaster jar and opens it, which contains this very expensive ointment. Mm -hmm. And basically she dumps it on his head. <laughs> Can I say, when you were reading this yesterday, I get the heebie-jeebies every time I think about this. And I realize that that is me and like my cultural right. thing. That, but I'm always just like, Ugh. Somebody <laughs> in the world really likes to have that done, but I don't think that yeah. really fits well with our... Yeah, it doesn't work with our, our cultural uh, background. <laughs> I, just, I just picture this like dripping... You know, yeah, right. All over Ooh. Jesus' head and down it goes. Yes. And, um, you know, you would think given everything that all of these disciples and Jesus have been through, like the disciples would say, that was so cool. You know, she's going to give Jesus a massage. I mean, if there's anybody who needs a little ointment right. and sprucing up, it's Jesus. And right. instead, no. It's like, why did she do that? What a waste is what they say. Right. And then they want to know, hey, look, this could have been sold for X number of, you know, denarii. The money could have been given to the poor and et cetera, et cetera. Suddenly they become real do-gooders, right? All of a sudden. All of a sudden. Yeah. Like they've been moderately good do-gooders <laughs> yeah. to this point. But, but they were like, let's not take waste this opportunity to criticize a woman doing something nice. Exactly, right? Yeah. Which is really an incredibly generous thing. And by the way, you know, the alabaster jar, there's, you, you think about where does that come from? Uh, was that imported? Did it make a long journey from India? Yeah. Who knows, right? I mean, right. that that's kind of exciting in and of itself. How does she come by it? Um, 
You know, it's just, and we don't know much about her life, don't know anything really about her life, except that she had this very generous outreach towards Jesus at a time when he needed it most. And then he turns on them, those (laughs) disciples, those stingy, scarcity-thinking disciples, and said, hey, let her alone. Yeah. Right? What she has done is very generous. And actually, he sees it as something that she's done as a kindness to him um, before his death. And his burial, almost right. like she's anointed his body for burial. Yeah, like a preparation. Yeah, which is a really, that's a very, there's sadness, such sadness in that. Right. Um, but he's very grateful for it. Right. And then he says this most remarkable thing, that wherever the good news is preached in all the world, this this will be done, this story will be told in remembrance of her. her. yeah. Not him, not right. them. But her, I just love the fact that he puts that light directly on her. And, uh, you know, the, then it's sort of the camera fades out yeah. and that's the end of the story, but it lingers on. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I was thinking every time we read that story and tell that story among all the others in the Bible, of course, too, but that story is told in remembrance of her and it mm-hmm. keeps bringing that back to mind. So whenever I think about Jesus receiving expensive gifts, it makes me, hmm. my mind go back to the Magi right? and the Great expensive connection. gifts at the beginning of his life and then an expensive gift at the end of his life. Yeah. I love some poetic symmetry. Yes. Um, nice connection. I, it's, it's just so interesting too that it's, you know, the gift is received so well by him, mm. you know? Right. Yeah. That's such a really important point not to be missed because he could have, he could also have pushed it away. Right. So it could have been done, you know, there's a movement called effective altruism where, um, the idea is how do you use your financial resources in the most advantageous way to resource the needs of other people, right. And to strengthen other people. And that's a great movement. And that's kind of, I'd like to let the disciples off the hook here for just a little (laughs) bit, maybe like they're an early version of effective altruists. Like Mm -hmm. we could have positioned that money for some really interesting social change. Right. But, Here's the other twist about this story. The story indicates that we are called to do that. Jesus does that with his whole life, right? Right, right? However, there are moments in life where beauty is the thing to be celebrated, hmm. right? Hmm. Loveliness. And this is where we get to dig into the language a little bit because Jesus says to her, you have, she has done, says to his disciples, she has done a good service to me. And the word for good in Greek is kalos. It's not just agathos. Agathos also means good, but it's a kind of a practical goodness, a utilitarian goodness. And um, however, kalos is something that is good and especially lovely. Okay. So it has an adornment quality to it, yeah. right? And you think about the things, I, I was just thinking about the times in my life where someone has said to me, if they've had an interaction with someone, oh, she gave me such a lovely gift. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just a practical gift. <laughs> yeah, right? right. Which, okay, that's great too. Yeah. But a lovely gift is something that touches something in us that's intangible, Right. It, right. it it lifts our spirits in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. And that's what she manages to do. And you also have to wonder that the goodness, it wasn't just the fact that she used this expensive ointment. It was in the way that she did it and the spirit that she gave it. Right. And that can be, I've just been thinking about that, especially because of the pandemic. 
almost any gesture of goodness is appreciated, right? All gestures are appreciated. But then there are some things that are just a little different. It's like someone leaving flowers at the door mm-hmm. and, you know, putting just a little extra bow on there, sure. you know, or a little a little extra special food that um, touches our hearts in an unusual way. Oh, I think that ties in so well to actually our conversation last week about making and about the purpose of beauty. Great. Or yeah. not have beauty. Yeah, it puts me in mind of my friend, Catherine Harsha, who I worked with many years ago in Cleveland, who told me this story about when she had been living in Paris, studying as a young musician, and she observed the uh, people in France, especially the women who would go, you know, go to the market, mm-hmm. get their daily essentials. And then no matter, you know, how, how, how safe, careful they had to be with their money, mm-hmm. they always saved a little bit to buy fresh flowers Oh, because that was sweet. a daily essential too. That's, that's Kalos. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's an extra Right. I always think about that every time I walk past the flower section of Trader Joe's. I'm always like, hmm. Little flower. Little flowers. I never I still don't buy them. <laughs> I should. I'm always so delighted and I don't buy them for myself. Maybe that's an act of self compassion I can well, work you, on this week. Yeah, exactly. Right. You carry the memory with you. That's a good thing. I do think of that every single time. Well, I was just thinking also of a story that I heard uh, by from Primo Levi, who was an Italian writer. He was a chemist. And he was um, actually incarcerated during the Second World War in Auschwitz. Mm. And he was uh, desperate, as everyone was, to make it from day to day. But he came to know a man named Lorenzo. And Lorenzo had this sort of woman with the alabaster jar quality about him. And he was able to find bread and soup on a pretty regular basis for Primo Levi, which was amazing. However... Primo Levi said, it wasn't just the fact that he gave me material aid. It was something about his character that made Primo Levi believe that there was a world beyond the camp Mm. that was pure and good and just. That is an amazing thing to communicate that with your being, Not, not just to tell somebody that that's true, but to assure them it's true because of who they are. And that seems to have been the quality of this woman with the alabaster jar, just a goodness that ran so deep she couldn't help but communicate it. I'd like to think that that's what happens. You know, we develop that over years as we're in a community of faith, right? Mm -hmm. That's the hope uh, that we, from, from other people and the way that they treat us and the love that goes on in the community, we just start to develop that inner sense and other people can pick up on it. What a gift that is. Do we know anything more about her? I believe that there are any number of legends that have developed uh, over time, Mm -hmm. right? And people have filled in some details and connected the story with other biblical characters. But, you know, there's a part of me that likes sort of leaving this story with its mysterious, uh, you know, edges. Mm -hmm. And so that we don't really know much more about her other than what we're told in that story, which turns out to be a lot. Yeah. Well, and it's amazing, too, that he says this thing of, of do when you tell the story, it's a memory of her. It's not about me. It's yeah. not about the disciples. It's about her. Yep. Um, and that we know so, so little in the telling. <laughs> right. Well, at least what we do know, it's, uh, it's something that kind of has the power to shape us and who we are and our, our own values, you know. And I think about uh, 
so much in this world can be accumulated, but not necessarily helpful, right, to one's soulful development. Mm -hmm. And uh, here was a person who sort of liked to think that maybe this is the way she was all the time, just really extravagant and generous in ways that made other people feel really, really hopeful for a time. Yeah. I don't know why when I imagine her, I imagine her being very, um, that that was like her soul expensive thing she owned. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if I've heard that in other tellings of it or something. Yeah. But I sort of, I sort of imagine it being like her, her, her prized possession. Right. Right. What's Did I pick some... that up somewhere? I don't know where I got that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, why not? Right. Why not, right. Yeah. Yeah. If this is the one thing that maybe she had carried with her throughout her lifetime and suddenly something you know, opened up in her and made her think, this is a time to let go of this. Yeah. Um, which she did. And uh, Jesus certainly appreciated it. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to keep learning and talking about her and other great stories. And we thank you all so much for listening today to Roundtail Radio, brought to you by the friends and members of Roundtail Community Church. 